EFTM Tech Cars Lifestyle This is the EFTM Podcast with Trevor Long EFTM Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Great to have your company. Uh, good to be back on deck. It has been a few weeks. So I apologise. We did well at the golf day. It was fun for all. We raised a lot of money and we bought more golf days uh, at the uh, silent auction. <laughs> so good times. Um, and, of course, it's been a very busy uh, week of travel or so. But we had a great time with the kids in LA. Had a great time at the Dodgers. They had an awesome time at Disneyland. And I had a busy week in San Jose and London, and uh, we're back now. Back on deck for a while. It's going to be, I think the uh, Samsung announced at EFTM.com, you can see that their next event, their next unpack will be in Korea for the first time at the end of July. So um, hopefully we get along to that one as well. That's probably the next time we'll jet set out of the country if we don't go some domestic trips in between. Um, We'll be on deck for a while. So looking forward to churning out the the shows and uh, helping you with your tech questions. So if you've got a tech question, go to the website, eftm.com. That's all you've got to do. Uh, and just send me an email. Go to Ask Trev and we'll help you out. So if you are holding back and not sending an email because you thought I wasn't here or taking calls, I am. I'm back. I'm here. Send me a note. We've got a bunch of calls to get through from everything from um, TVs to, to laptops and a bunch more. Plus, I want to break down my thoughts on the Apple Vision Pro on my own as opposed to the conversation I will continue to have with Stephen Fennick on Two Blokes Talking Tech this week. Um, we also covered that on Two Blokes Talking Tech last week, but it's a big deal. So I thought I'd unpack my hands-on demo of that and uh, bring you those thoughts here uh, on the EFTM podcast. The only place you can hear them directly, other than the words I wrote, theftm.com. Get in touch. Uh, happy to help anywhere I can. And, of course, do uh, we do it thanks to the great people at LG. And if you haven't seen their mood up range of home appliances, check them out now. If you've gone to Vivid, you should have seen the activation by LG. Uh, the mood up by LG and Vivid Sydney experience was unbelievable using color and light as a part of the Vivid experience because the mood up fridges, for example, are a great exhibition of that. Choosing the colors you want on the on the fridge, not just at the retail store, but when your mood chooses. Um uh, LED color panels that change to suit your vibe. That's exactly what you want. Uh, and if you, in fact, if you go to uh, LG's website right now, lg.com, and uh, they'll take you to the Australian website, click on the Vivid link, you might even have a chance to win an LG InstaView fridge with MoodUp. So that's the two cool LG technologies combined, the, the MoodUp color combinations and the InstaView, which is that tap to view what's in that uh, inside that door. Uh, easy to experience there. And if you haven't been to Vivid, uh, there's a couple of days left, I think, uh, for Vivid while I record. There's a bunch to see down there at uh, the Rocks and Circular Quay, including the uh, the LG uh, experience. So check that out at Loftus House uh, down at Circular Quay next to Customs House from 6 till 11 until the 17th of June. No booking required. You can jump in and uh, experience everything LG's got when it comes to colour and, of course, the mood up range of fridges. So Check LG out at major uh, retailers like Harvey Norman, all the big Harvey Norman stores, the good guys, JB Hi-Fi, Bingley. They've all got the great mood up range. If you haven't seen them, well worth a look. Until then, let's get on with the show. Let's get cracking with calls. If you've got a tech question, you've got a tech problem, go to the website, eftm.com. Click on Ask Trev. Dale did that and he's on the line. G'day, Dale. How are you, Trev? Yeah, real good, mate. Where do we find you? I'm in Brisbane. 
uh, sitting on an oval with the lovely Queensland team just uh, getting ready to train. What's uh, What gets a man like you into the uh, Origin team? Uh, I've had a security company for 30 years and um, a couple of years ago I had a bit of ill health and uh, decided to sell my business, but I've been doing the Origin team for, oh, God, many, many years. So I don't know what my job is. I'm basically doing everything. Your muscle, that's what you are. Yeah, I'm supposed to be player welfare, but... um, you know, I'm mostly looking after the uh, the coaches all the time, not the players. The players, they're okay, no dramas. They know how to look after themselves. You can look after the coaches more than anyone else. They're superstars. <laughs> exactly, mate. Exactly. But as we record, the teams of uh, the New South Wales team, anyway, has just been announced. So, uh, you know, it's good, it's good times, mate. How are we feeling? Are we feeling pumped because I'm a Queenslander. Yeah, like obviously uh, there's a few newies coming in. Yeah. Um, yeah, but obviously um, they trained really well yesterday and obviously we're about to train now and I think it was, uh, the team meeting this morning was very good. Um, they were hyped up and talking about things. So it's all a matter of the, between the ears next week when you turn up for the game, you've got to have it between the ears. And if everybody turns up, um, yeah, away we go. Isn't between the ears where all origins are one? Correct. Especially yeah. if you look at origin one, Trev. Um, yeah. yeah. Like we had 12 men and we scored two tries with 12 men. Come on. Like, you know, something, something fell apart on the other side um, between the ears and, yeah, they just didn't have it and uh, they just got lost, you know. All right. Well, uh, what can I do for you, mate? Uh, I can't help you with rugby well, league, but I can help you with tech. There you go. So what I've got at the moment, I've downsizing, obviously, from the health side of things. I'm moving to an apartment. Um, I've got a, I want to get a 75-inch screen on the wall, uh-huh. uh, which um, I want to – but what I want to try and do is I've got – neighbours around me and stuff and I don't want to have the telly up too loud and I want to be able to sit there and have earphones on and, and if anyone's staying over, they don't get woken up as well. So mm. I'm just trying to find out the best way to do that and how do I do that because I've been told it's um, complicated but I just want to find out, if, is it complicated or can it be done? Uh, are you looking for a, 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 did you say 75 or 85? 75, mate, if possible, yeah. Yeah, so look, I think um, headphone thing is 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 an interesting one. Do you live alone yeah. normally? So you're you're, you're yes, alone normally, and it's only when other yes. people are around that you are worried Correct. about them hearing. So I'll tell you Correct. why it's normally complicated. So normally the call I get is I want to listen on headphones while my partner listens on the speaker because I need better, you know, I need the sound to be more directed in my ears. I don't have as good a hearing. That's right. normally the problem. And so a lot of TVs really struggle with headphone and speaker output or two styles of outputs. But in reality, nearly every TV has a simple Bluetooth option. Now, it's never as easy as, you know, on your iPhone, for example, just, you know, putting the headphones in and then all the sound comes out the speaker, out the headphones, right? Yep. It's always a couple of button pushes. Um, so yep. let's say at, you know, it's 8 o'clock at night and you think, I'm going to fire up a movie, but I'm not going to annoy the neighbours, so I'm going to put the headphones in. Then you're probably going to need to, on most TVs, you're going to go to need to go to the menu and then the audio output setting and just choose headphones as opposed to right. speaker. Not not complex. Um, I would say probably your Samsung and LG have less clicks to get there. I know, for example, on a yep. Samsung TV, if you hit the home button or the menu, there's picture, sound, you know, options really, really quite close. So you can switch from, say, game to cinema mode for your picture and you can also choose from soundbar to TV and then to headphones for audio. So right. I, I, I honestly don't think you'll have a major issue. Fascinatingly, the the best, um, I guess the best technology I've seen in a TV with sound is actually Hisense. Um, it was about 
it's probably two years ago now. I had a had a friend ask me about a similar thing, but it was more about you know pairing headphones and having that dual output. And Hisense had much more detailed options for the output of your sound. So keep that in mind. But in the end, mate, I will for a single person listening to a TV on their own. Headphones is a really simple output. Bluetooth is in okay. every TV. Um, I don't think you can go too wrong with one of the big brands. I wouldn't be at all put off by um, any of the brands, uh, TCL, uh, Hisense, Sony, Samsung, LG. So you pretty much tick all the boxes, and it just means you can get a but great TV. But it has to have TV. a Bluetooth, does it? It has it to does. have Bluetooth and a smart TV. I'd be blown away if a TV you bought today that was right. anything other than a F Falcon or whatever they call, you know, you kind of – um, Aldi style JB entry level TVs. Yep. Any of the big brands yep. is going to have Bluetooth. Um, but, okay, I mean, triple perfect. triple check the 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 website yeah, well. for the brand. But, geez, mate, for a seventy five inch TV, have you got a budget in mind? Nah, yeah, I don't. I don't have budget, mate. Money doesn't bother me. I, I'm, I'm happy with the best, you know. Like it doesn't yeah. bother me, money. So. Well, any, anything from two grand to to four and a half. But honestly, I, personally. If you wanted the absolute bee's knees, uh, Samsung has yep. their their 8K uh, Neo yep. QLED, which is you know eight and a half thousand dollars. the The big nice. difference the big difference there is the the border on this thing is just stunning. There's no border. It looks like the TV is just floating on air. But I'll have you know, a look at them. You could spend three grand and get a just as good a picture uh, with it, with a b- bit of a border and still get the Bluetooth, mate. So you'd be sweet. Oh, I'd, I'd see. I'd, yeah, I'd, I'm getting someone to, to style my home and everything. I want it looking perfect and everything. So yeah, I'll just get the best whatever I can, and as long as I've got the comfort of making sure I don't wake anybody up and yep. I can still watch my TV and stuff, I'll be happy as. All right, mate. Well, enjoy the new TV. Go the Queenslanders and uh, give <laughs> give them Thank my best, my buddy. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Trevor Long. See you, mate. Good on you, buddy. Bye-bye. There you go. Queenslander uh, in camp with the Queensland team. When I rang Dale, obviously breaking news. This is all pre-recorded. It's not live. It's a podcast. Um, I said, mate, have you got a couple of minutes to talk? He goes, mate, I'm just in Origin camp. And I went, what the hell? <laughs> I said, stop. We'll, I'll ask you what the hell's going on. So I had no idea. Uh, Dale was a uh, a man who's invited into the inner sanctum of the Queensland team. Uh, Origin is next week. Uh, and the teams have just been announced. So uh, good on you, Dar. What a champ. And uh, what a lucky situation to be in, to be able to just get what's the best. And having someone style your home, too. What a legend. Uh, if you've got a tech question, go to the website, EFTM.com. EFTM. You're listening to the EFTM podcast. EFTM. All right, taking your calls. If you've got a tech question, go to the website, EFTM.com. G'day, Michael. Hi, how are you? Yeah, real good, mate. What can I do for you? Um... We've got a new property uh, down in Tasmania, and I've got to do a full furnish. Um, and we're looking at doing it for an Airbnb situation, quite nice. high end. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've got two two areas I've got to put TVs in. So the, we have a stylist involved down there locally because we are based up in New South Wales. Yep. And she was suggesting um, the two 65 and 75 inch Samsung frame TVs. Yeah. Um, you know, so they're. Uh, uh, two and a half three thousand each. Yeah. Um, and I was curious as to whether that made sense. I think it's QLED. Yeah. Look. Curious. So let's be clear. The frame is uh, is a is a solid screen. It's a it's a QLED screen. It's no worse than any of the great Samsung TVs. The biggest difference in the twenty twenty two and twenty three models yeah. is they have a matte finish on them. So they are beautiful. They they literally are beautiful. So 
Mate, if all, in all honesty, if you can afford the frame then and you are going for style, then it's a great way to go. And the thing you could do is you could kind of customise it a bit with maybe you could get a local photographer to take a bunch of photos or you might have something you could take um, and you could actually customise it with local photos of the area running on the screen so that when people come in, it's kind of artwork on the wall for them when they're not watching TV, um, which which is a nice way to go. Can you do that remotely by any chance? I don't know that you can update it. I think you could, actually, now that I think about it, because all the frame, all you'll need, you might need kind of a conduit. You might need that stylus to be there that first time when you're setting the TV up. But you just need the frame TV added to your Samsung SmartThings app, and once that's done, you're good to go. So you can probably then add artworks and, and photographs to it easily. Here's my question for you. For an Airbnb, what do you do... In the, you know, we've got this problem now with Netflix and the people's accounts and things. Do you think about, especially because yeah. you're going premium, do you think about saying like yeah. Netflix is included and having an account logged into both those TVs that people can just use when they're there and they don't need their own account, you don't need to delete their accounts, yeah. mm-hmm. and you're just paying, I don't know, 15 bucks a month for Netflix so that you can actually advertise it as saying, you know, Frame TV with Netflix included or something like that. Would you do that? Yeah, I think it's a good thought. I, I'm still thinking it through. I've listened to your debates about it. And, um, yeah, I haven't quite worked it out myself. I'm still waiting yeah. for my son, who's been, he's definitely on our account and doesn't live in the household, yeah. uh, to tell me that he's been kicked off. But he hasn't <laughs> yet. So I'm, a, <laughs> I'm just a, I'm well, just, wait for Nemo, just make sure I you're using idea. it regularly so that you don't get kicked out yourself. Make sure you're the household. No, no, no. <laughs> yes, there we are. Um, um, look, the frame. That's, that's, that's actually a good thought. I'll, I'll keep that in mind. Yeah, yeah I think it's. I think it's a nice one. little selling point. You know, like uh, you could say yeah. if San and Disney Plus or whatever you want to do, um, and you know, I assume I assume the cost is a write-off on the on the business that is the Airbnb as well. Yeah. Um, sure. But yeah, mate, look, be- if you can afford the frame, it's a great TV. Just always remember, obviously, there are more affordable options that just don't have that beauty. But I think from a stylist perspective, you're definitely getting the high quality there. Oh, it's the stylist wins. I was thinking it must be better TV. Or yeah. Money. But, okay. All right, mate. Good luck good and, uh, and happy styling. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Good much. on you, mate. Cheers. Thanks Thank very much. Bye-bye. Uh, great, great idea there to, to add Netflix to the Airbnb. I think that's, um, that's an interesting way of getting the business, um, especially in a premium thing like that. If you've got a question, EFGM.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. John's on the line. G'day, John. G'day, Trevor. Thanks for taking my call. Pleasure, mate. What can I do for you? Look, I keep on getting this text message from a company called Panthera and saying that I owe AGL a certain amount of money. Now, I've never had an AGL account, so I know it's spam, but I can't block it. Because does it, does it, it appear in the same? A, does it appear in the same thread every time, or is it a different yes. message every time? No, same thread each time. Well, I must admit, I delete the message each time anyway. Yeah, right. But yeah. it comes up. It doesn't have a phone number. It just has Panthera. Oh, now how right. do I block it? So you got an iPhone? 
No, no, Android. Android. And and so there's no uh you can't like th- no three dots next to the name that you can uh that you can click to do any blocking mm, or anything like no. that. No. Nope, tried all that. Wow. Um I'm just gonna ask you this yeah. thing, because Panthera, I just Googled it. They are a legit yeah. like debt collector. <laughs> yeah. Um evidently, yeah. Yeah. Have you actually Supposed spoken it, yeah. to them? No. I, I wonder whether not. Don't don't do it through any action in the in the text message. What's the text message call to action? Is it a is it a link to a website? Uh, it's invariably, you know, we're going to give you a discount um, if you pay now, mm. um, and or, or ring this number. Now I have rung the number. It's a one three hundred number. Yeah, and I, I uh, and, and a, uh, the phone was answered. I explained the situation, and the girl on the other end of the phone said, "Oh, wait on a minute. Hang on. I'll just put you on hold." And they never came back. Oh wow! So. Wow. So the legit company that's yeah, being I, that's yeah. being absolutely you know scammed themselves here, um, were of no use, was, which yeah. is annoying. They they would yeah. probably get a lot of contacts, I guess, from people. Um, what's what sort of phone have you got? And how old is it? Uh, it's a uh, Samsung or a, um, it's only a couple of years. No, it wouldn't okay. even be that old. It's uh, right. relatively new because I had to buy it to because I had uh, it because it talks to my hearing aids. Right, right, and and the a couple of things I'd do is I'd I'd ask you to make sure that the software app's updated because actually Android does a lot better spam protection than um than others. The other thing is, so uh-huh. you've obviously looked, you know, when you when you get a text message and there is those three dots. You've have you looked in the details tab? No, I haven't. No. So under no. on on a on a on a message screen with Android, um, and the other look, the other thing here is Samsung do a thing where they create their own apps for things. So, you know, you've got the Samsung Internet Browser when there's also Google Chrome. Um, Samsung have their own Messages app. I would actually encourage you to perhaps use for a little while the Google uh, Messaging app. Um, I'm just going to check what it's officially called. It might just be called Messages by Google. So... Uh If you download Messages by Google onto your Android phone, you're getting what is essentially the pure SMS, the pure messaging experience, right? And then when you install okay, it, yep. when you install it, it'll ask you to do you want me to be the default message? Yes, say yes to all that. And so for a little while, it might be different, it might look different or whatever, but you'll get used to it pretty quickly. And that's where you'll yeah. do all your SMSing from now on. And so kind of ignore okay. the Samsung one for a bit. And then let's see when yep. that SMS comes in. Firstly, whether or not messages by Google detects it as spam. As spam and might block it anyway. It might yeah. block it automatically. Because yeah. when I, I, yeah. used, I used Android for about four months um, in the last five, and I found it to be very good at, at detecting and blocking scams. Um, uh-huh. So I, I think maybe switch to messages by Google and see whether you get any difference in the response yeah. to, to the number of messages you get like that. And also when it does come through, if it does get through, Clicking those yeah. three dots and looking if there's an option there to, under details, report it at, or block it, um, would probably be my, my okay. first port of call for you, mate. All right? Right. Right. Messages, messages by Google. That's the app you want to download. Okay. Done. Thank you. Beautiful. Enjoy. Good luck. Let me know how I'll, you go. I'll give it a go and I'll let you know no what worries. happens in a month or so time. Good on you, John. Thanks, Thanks mate. Trevor. Cheers. Much appreciated. My, Bye-bye. My pleasure. Good on you and uh, thanks for getting in touch. Um, you know, it's a funny one because it's probably the big frontier, I think, that that 
Apple, Google, Samsung could all um, do very well off. You know, you look at the amount of effort Telstra's putting into spam blocking and scam detection. Uh, they're spruiking themselves as being the cleaner pipes and all that stuff. It's It seems to me that if you're going to pick a telco just based on their um, their commitment to reducing the number of scam and spam messages you get, you'd pick Telstra every day of the week, right? Um, but if I was to say also which phone would you pick, I would pick a Google Pixel because I noticed that phone calls were being flagged as scams, text messages were being put into another folder. Yeah, I, I think that's the way to go. And I'm not saying Samsung's not a great phone. I'm just saying that maybe their messaging app isn't as intelligent as the Google one, or maybe it's something you need to enable. So let's uh, see whether John has any better luck with that um, and whether uh, that's a piece of advice that, that everyone could take some uh, some incentive from. Get in touch if you've got a question, EFTM.com. This is the EFTM Podcast. EFTM. Now, for pure podcast uh, fans, listeners, um, you're going to get a lot of Vision Pro content. All right. You would have heard Stephen and I talk about it uh, last week at Apple Park. Um, I think we even mentioned at the end of the private feed. I know Stephen's talked about it in the Tech Guide podcast. So if you're listening in the EFTM feed, this is all you're getting. That's great. But if you're listening in the Two Blacks Talking Tech feed, I apologize for the overwhelming amount of Vision Pro content. But I did want to just spend my own bit of time talking about that experience because I I kind of realize I've spent a lot of time on TV and radio talking about it, but I haven't just sat down and explained the day um, that was the Vision Pro demo. Now, uh, people that have followed me long enough know that, I actually don't know whether I've said this on this show, but I refer to Apple events as abduction um, days um, because the way Apple works is they tell you, um, you know, this is when the keynote is and then you'll have meetings at these times, but you don't know what the meetings are or where they are being held. So you're essentially just sitting around waiting for one of the great, and they're awesome people at Apple PR team to just tell you we're going now and we're heading this way. And you either jump in a buggy or you walk somewhere and you go to a meeting and then you're thrown into a room with an Apple exec and you're talking about a product. It's it's awesome because you get hands-on with products um, and you get to talk to them about the products. Um, but it's just, a, for me, it's a blinkered moment and it's, um, it's, it's a weird day uh, to be just wandering around looking at things. But... The upside to that is I'm lucky enough to have spent a lot of time wandering the grounds of Apple Park. And <clears throat> I will say straight away, and I've said it before, it's the most magnificent place on earth. I mean, it's just beautiful. It deserves every award for landscape design, architectural design, environmental design. It's just beautiful. Um, the Even the from the curb inward. So I think Apple redid the curbs, um, the gutters, the sidewalks, um, and the, the the lawn and the the landscaping from the curb inwards, through to the fence, then to the building. Now the 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 space around Apple Park is a huge. It's many many hectares, I assume. Um, it's eighty percent green space, twenty percent building, which is the opposite of what it was when Apple acquired it. They they demolished what was eighty percent buildings and twenty percent green space. Anyway, I say this because it's it's just it's now having watched it grow over the years, and I, I feel so. I'm privileged to have seen it the very first time it was open to the to the media after opening to staff, you know, from seedlings of of grasses now th- thriving and flourishing throughout the place. It's it's amazing. All that is to say, I get taken from place to place. Often it's in the Steve Jobs Theatre. There's meeting rooms under there, and that's a whole. Even the theatre's underground, but then there are meeting rooms around that. Um, often and sometimes there's been meetings inside the 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 ring, uh, the spaceship, as you might know it. Uh, of Apple Park, 
Um, and there's also, I've done several meetings and briefings over in what's called the fitness center, which is literally a fitness center for staff to go and uh, do workouts and gym, etc. It's beautiful. And on your way to the fitness center, which is on the complete opposite side of Apple Park, um, you know, you're on the back of a buggy because it's so far away. Um, you get to take in the ring, which is phenomenal. And you get to see things like there's a football field and basketball courts and the, the orchards and there's cherry trees and there's apple trees. There's just so much to take in. But this time, I went to the fitness center for a briefing on – no, I went – that was where they, they built the podcast studio. So on the Monday afternoon of the keynote, we went over to the fitness center and um, we did the podcast uh, recording there and it was amazing. But on my way there, I noticed this building that was not normally at Apple Park. Uh, and then I realized that was something to do with Vision Pro. And the next morning I was invited again uh, and buggied over to what well, I did hear someone on the radio, you know, say they were going to the field house. So let's just call that an internal code name for this tent. Now, if you've ever been to a big wedding, you know, when it's an outdoor wedding, they, they get a marquee. Now, you've got cheap marquees and you've got expensive marquees. The expensive marquees are... They, you see less of the framework. They they dress it better. They, it, it looks less like a cheap tent and it looks more like a temporary building. Uh, this was in no way a tent. Apple had built a, a building that, I don't even know how big it is. I can't even, it's the, the width of a football field would be one way of describing it. It was probably width of a football field and half a football field in size. Um, and it was a big white box. Now, that has significance because in 2014 at the Flint Centre in Cupertino, they also built a big white box at the back of the Flint Centre because that's where they had the hands-on briefings for the Apple Watch, which again was a one more thing, new product. So this was not a tent. This was a beautiful building. Um, it had ramps and handrails and stairs. And inside was a, you know, well beautifully decorated with lounges and and drink stations and just it looked like a looked like an apple store without tables but instead chairs it was beautiful the the walls were were wooden and in hidden in them were eight doors on each side for these little rooms which turned out to be the demo rooms and out the back were more meeting rooms um what happened was we were taken to the side and we were asked our names and we were then individually one-on-one um we had our faces scanned with an app in the same way that you would register for Face ID. What this was doing was reading our faces. So it read my the shape and, and size of my face to do a fitting for the Apple Vision Pro, the bit that would stick on your head. Um, there's different ones of those for different people and they would they would fit one for you. This would also be the process in a retail store in the, in the year to come when we buy these things. I then handed over my glasses, my reading glasses, and they put them into a machine which read essentially my prescription. And they were able to put lenses into a Vision Pro to suit me. Again, something that would happen in an Apple store, though I'm not sure how quickly the lenses would arrive when you buy it. Um, that's something that we have to find out in the long time ahead. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Then I sat and waited and then I was pretty quickly whisked away to a room where it was just me. None of the Australian PR team came in. It was just me and two representatives from the Apple Vision Pro team. And they explained the device to me. Now, you've seen the device, Apple Vision Pro. It's on the website EFTM.com. If you haven't, you've been living under a rock. It does look similar to most other VR headsets. Uh, it is, though, I would say it's probably heavier. No weight has been given, but, you know, this is a computer. This thing has an Apple M2 chip in it. Another chip they call the R1 reality chip. 
<coughs> excuse me. Um, <clears throat> and look, it didn't feel heavy, but it just felt heavier than other ones I'd picked up. I was given a quick rundown on how it all worked and, you know, how to hold it and wear it. And then I put it on. And as soon as I put it on, I could see the world around me. And the the vision of the, the room around me was not as clear as my real eyes. Um, I would say it felt uh, slightly lower resolution. Okay. The room around me felt slightly lower resolution. That may be because the color was slightly different or off. You know, remember you're going from the real room into a, uh, a camera generated version of the room. You do not see through this device. It's not a transparent device. You have in front of each eye a postage stamp size uh, high resolution screen. I think it's 64 or many, many times more the, the resolution of an iPhone uh, right in front of your eyes. And then on the outside, there are uh, virtual screens, which then in a real world environment would present a picture of your eyes um, to the person around you, people around you. <clears throat> so I, I would say that was my immediate reaction was it's not, it doesn't look real. It actually looked like I was looking through a computer screen. But then I brought up the menu and everything was crisp and stunning and beautiful. Now, what I had to do before I used it was train it. I had to hold my hands in front of me like I was pushing on a wall, just hold them up so I could see my hands and recognize my hands and I guess learn what they look like. And then I had to follow with my eye, keeping my head still, I had to follow with my eye, let's say 12 dots in a circle, just follow them with my eye as they moved. And that, that happened twice. And what that was, was training the device to know how my eyes moved and where they looked and all that kind of stuff so that I could navigate with my eyes. And that's exactly how the device works. A menu, uh, the, 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 on the left-hand side of the outside of the device, there's a button to take photos. And on the right-hand side, there's a digital crown, which you push to bring up the home screen. Bring up the home screen, you get menu uh, icons, like on an iPhone, but just laid out in front of you um, virtually floating in the room. Um, as you look around those icons, they highlight, they hover because it knows you're looking at them. That's how remarkable it is. It, it knows what you're looking at. It's phenomenal. That alone blew my mind. Blew my mind. I look at the Photos app and it hovered, it highlighted. It probably should highlight more, but that's for another day. To click, so that's how you move the mouse, if you like. To click with my hand sitting on my knee, not, not holding up in front of me, just with my hand sitting on my knee, I tap my um, index finger and thumb together and release them. So you don't tap and hold, you tap and release. So you tap your finger together and you, you release them a few centimeters. So tap and release. That clicks. So I'm looking at the Photos app. I tap and release. It opens the Photos app. And at this point, I'm looking at an unbelievable, stunning, and I, I genuinely mean this stunning, beautiful display of photos. I can now swipe because when I pinch my fingers together and hold them and then move my hand from left to right, I'm swiping from left to right. And instantly I picked this up. It wasn't a hard um, gesture to learn. I picked it up. And when I wanted to scroll up and down, I scrolled my finger up and down, pinching to go up and down. It was brilliant. Look at a panoramic photo. Panoramic photo, it would surround me a bit so I could look around at the photo. It was immersive. To, if I was sick of photos, I'd look down the bottom of every window is a dot and a line. The dot, if you look at it, brings up the X to close. The line, you simply look at it and then you pinch and hold and you can move that window anywhere around you. So move it to the right. Then I click the home button again, bring up the messages app. Move that a bit to the left, bring up the web app. Move that in front of me. And you can move things around you, placing virtual screens 
in in a space. It's beautiful. It's genuinely phenomenal. Um, so at this point, I am all in on this product, all in, because they have made something that is so much more intuitive than clumsily trying to find the left and right controller, clumsily trying to learn which button is action and which button is what. Beautiful, brilliant user interface, brilliant usability. Demonstrations were things like watching videos, looking at photos, spatial videos shot with the device that were three-dimensional, a video that was three-dimensional to look at. Remember 3D TV, that's, that's coming back in, in this headset. We then looked at uh, Avatar in 3D, both in a floating window in front of me and then in immersive cinema, so blocking out the world around me. Then we choose an environment, which is my choice, whether it's trees or mountains or whatever, and I can dial in that environment to be all-encompassing, virtual, or just subtly around me in the living room I'm in. That's the kind of mix between virtual and augmented reality. I did a dinosaur experience where the dinosaur was kind of up on the wall and coming through the wall. A butterfly landed on my finger when I held it up in front of me, and I could move my finger around to look at it. Honestly, folks, this was amazing. Genuinely amazing. But I don't want don't know why we need it. And that's my problem. I think it's cool. I'd love to have one, but I don't know why I need it. So when I look at my setup, I want to sit down to work. I've got a big screen. I can have two screens if I wanted to. I can have the web on one, email on the other, work on one. You can look around at those things. A headset for three and a half thousand dollars doesn't replace those things things I think I'd prefer to have a screen. Entertainment wise, I'd prefer to have an 85 inch TV than a virtual one. Is it for people who live in smaller rooms and can't have all these things? I don't know. Has the use case for the Vision Pro not been made? When the iPhone was launched, and I spoke about this a lot last week, Steve Jobs talked about it as being a phone, an iPod and an internet communicator. It could get on the internet, it could play music and it could make phone calls. It's now millions more things than that. You can order food, order cars, you can buy stuff, you can play games, you can do a range of things, all created by the App Store. So will developers create the killer app for this? Will developers find a way to make the Vision Pro the awesome device that it needs to be? I don't know. I think that's the only hope that it's got. That's the only hope that we, we find that killer app is that developers do it. Because without that, I think this is an amazing bit of technology that will do very well. It will challenge Microsoft HoloLens in the enterprise space, but I don't know that it'll break into the consumer space. But we never know what a developer is going to come up with. So I'm really torn on this one. I'm trying not to be hyped about it, even though I think it's amazing. It's amazing, but if it's $5,500, which we're guessing, would you really buy one? Because if you just wanted a virtual experience, you'd buy an Oculus Quest for, you know, or MetaQuest, whatever they're calling them now, seven, eight hundred bucks. Easy done. So that's the challenge. That's where we sit today with Apple Vision Pro. I'm torn. I love it. But I'm not sure why we need it. Let me know what you think. Let me know if you've had any, any thoughts on that after watching, I'm sure, a million YouTube videos and reading a lot of articles. Let me know where you sit on the Apple Vision Pro. And the last thing I'll say is, just to put it on the record again, because I put it on two blokes talking tech. I feel very confident that this is not the only version of this. I feel confident that this will launch next year. Apps will come out. Things will happen. There'll be usages. It'll be great. And then in 2025, Apple will launch the Apple Vision. 
uh, a slightly pared back version of the Apple Vision Pro to make it slightly more affordable, maybe slightly less sensors or cameras, but slightly more accessible. That's where I sit as of mid-June 2023. How right I am, how wrong I am, I don't know. But I'm just glad I'm not a not required to gamble my life savings on whether or not this thing's going to be the next big thing. I, I either witnessed a genuine moment in history or I witnessed just something cool and new being created that, that won't die, it won't be a failure, just won't be quite what we uh, what we think it will be. EFTM. This is the EFTM Podcast. EFTM Podcast. Let's get going with calls. G'day, Daniel. How are you doing, mate? Good, thanks, mate. Good. Yeah, what can I do for you? Um, I'm just after what probably the best uh, value for money. I'm, I'm, I'm not a huge tech, technical guy. I just want to... Um, a pretty good laptop for home use, and you know, a bit of uh, business online yeah. banking stuff. Like that. Have you got a? Have you got any um, constraints in mind? Size, price. Have you got any um, any benchmark to go by? Um, I'm thinking, not really. Now that's why I'm asking suggestions. Um, I've, I've got a, an old. Uh, I've got one now, an Acer. Um, it's just a bit slow at the moment, so I'm just living. Uh, you know, just something a bit with a bit, you know, a bit better speeds, things like that. You know. What would you would you be prepared to spend? Say sixteen hundred dollars. What's what's the number that would, would that would freak you out? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, probably around that that yeah. that amount would be good. Yeah. And yeah. um, and you want to stay on Windows? You you're not considering Apple? No, I'd rather stay on Windows. I'm yep. sort of know how to navigate around that pretty yep. good. You yeah. know your way around, which which is perfect. Look, yep. um, the only the last question is, what do you what have you got on it? What's stored on it? Do you do you keep a lot of photos and videos there, or is it pretty much just you know cloud based and then getting work done, browsing the web and doing all that kind of stuff? Yeah, pretty much. I do store a few photos and videos, whatnot on there, mate. Yeah, that's a bit. Um, Otherwise, yeah, not not a lot. Not a lot. And look, I would always encourage you to start moving that that kind of storage to the cloud, so that you're never really reliant on any given device, um, mate. The yep. first one I'd get you to look at um, is actually Microsoft Surface Go, uh, the Surface Laptop yep. Go. It's a great device, um, smallish, 12, 12 inch screen, um, but you know all the power you need about sixteen hundred bucks. So yep. that's that's kind of a big brand mainstream number to go by. Okay. And then yep. have you do you need it for anything else? Would you do like, I don't know, a Netflix stand watching on it? Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. All that. So yeah, then so in that case I, I would be looking to get something that's maybe a flip version. So you know those are the ones that kind of fold back on themselves and in theory yes. become a tablet, but what they actually become I think is is better is a tent. So you stand it yep. up on a desk or a table or, or even on your on your knees while you're in bed. And so that the screen is yep. looking at you, the keyboard's facing away. So in that case, mm-hmm. have a look at um, ASUS, A-S-U-S. Yep. They have a really yep. good thing called the Vivo Book, which is a flip-around version. Again, I'm looking at around the $1,600 price point here. Um, yeah. And even below that price, I think uh, HP, and not a bad thing to look at. And the one I, I do love and I've spent a lot of time with is Lenovo. I don't think you can go wrong with a yep. Lenovo. In simple terms, yep. what I would encourage you to look for is something that is a um, Intel i5 or i7. Mm-hmm. So that's the yep. brains of the computer. And then make sure you, you try i5 or i7, try and get 16 gigabytes of RAM. And then right. and then if you can get 512 gigabytes of storage, you're starting to really get everything you need. Um, okay. Those See, the thing is, if you go those criteria, so radio, my budget is up to, let's say, 1600 bucks. i5 processor, 8, 8 to 16 gig of RAM, 
256 or 512 of storage, it mate, it honestly doesn't matter what brand you buy. They're all great. If you're buying from a major retail store, because they're all backed yep. by warranties, they're all backed by Australian consumer law. And that allows you to just go, right, I wanna I'm gonna narrow it down online, then I'll go to Harvey's or JB's and I'll feel them, look at them, and see which one yep. kind of suits me. Yeah, right. Now that that would sort of really avoid the need for a PC like the oh, old mate, tower. Totally. Tight, wouldn't it? Honestly, yeah. I I don't know. I've got a PC tower here in the office. We built it a few years ago, spent stupid money on it just so that we could do gaming and stuff. And honestly, console gaming is so much easier. PC gaming is great if you're big into streaming and stuff. But honestly, I don't know why you would buy a a PC tower at all these days unless you're into gaming heavily. And even even laptops. You said a few things that made me realize you needed a laptop. But even laptops these days, like get a tablet for most usages. Yeah, yeah. But the maybe, other thing that I could do is I had to uh, sign a, uh, a loan contract, which was online. Yep. Um, otherwise, I, I do most of my computing on my actual phone. I got a, a, um, yep. a, a Galaxy Ultra 20, which does anything I really need to do, that, that sort of things. But I did had to do a sign. Docu- did they use DocuSign? I can't remember. It was like t- nearly 12 months ago. But I had to go to work and use the, the PC at work. Uh, the computer at work because my phone wouldn't allow me to to do it and, and it even stated on the um the information they sent me that I had to go to a, either a laptop or a PC to, right. to sign this yeah but other other than that I would have I probably wouldn't need but yeah I'd, and and these this laptop you're talking can you connect speakers to that as well yeah I mean most laptops will have either a um, 3.5 millimeter out that you could plug speakers into or more common these days would be Bluetooth just pair a Bluetooth speaker man and like imagine, yeah, right. imagine you've you finished for the day, you've done some work from home, you're going to chill out, dining room table, you're having dinner, uh, put the uh, the laptop in tent mode so it's standing up, put a Bluetooth speaker yep. next to it, enjoy some Netflix. Like it's totally yep. possible and totally doable that way. And the other thing yep. with the document signing is I, I just bought a car online and you know it was all signed online. I've never been to a dealership, but I didn't even need to yep. physically sign. I just needed to type my name and it would – create a signature for me but even if you did need yep. a touch screen most of the ones you'll find in that price point are touch screen yep. as well excellent yeah yeah so man i think you'll well, find that's... i think you'll find a good laptop i would spend uh, half an hour tonight on jb hi-fi and uh, harvey's websites and just do that whole yep. filtering down it's like it's like buying a car you know when you go to car sales and you go i want it, want it to be an automatic i need it to be a toyota i need it to be in new south wales what you're doing here is you're saying i want it to be um under sixteen hundred dollars or whatever your budget is, I want it to have at least two fifty six gig of memory, at least eight gig of RAM, and at least an i five processor. And you tick all those boxes, and you end up with a result that is the fifteen computers to choose from. And then yeah. you can look at them and go, "I like the look of those." And then you can go into the store and say, "I like the feel of this one." Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's great, mate. Yeah. Well, thanks very much for that, Drew. No worries, mate. Happy shopping and good luck with the laptop. Thanks very much. Appreciate Cheers, it. Mate. Thank you. Anytime. No worries at all. If you're uh, looking to buy something, I'm happy to do some internet browsing for you and, and shine a little bit of advice onto the onto the scene. Uh, can't say I've got the answers for everyone, but do, do we do our best. And hopefully we uh, give you a bit of guidance on where you're going to go with your next purchase. Um, always help. happy to help. Um, if you've got an Android phone, download the EFTM app. You can actually hit Ask Trev through the app. And, of course, if you've got an iPhone, the EFTM app allows you to add the widgets to your home screen so you can automatically see when you open your phone, you can see the latest news from EFTM. And every time we update an article, you get get a notification literally the instant we press publish. It's done.
you're the first to know. So with the EFTM app, that's how we roll. Taking your calls, if you've got a tech question, uh, you can just go to the website, EFTM.com, click on Ask Trev. Danny did that. G'day, Danny. How are you doing? Good, thanks, Trevor. How are you, mate? Yeah, real good, mate. What can I do for you? My Orbeez acting up again, mate. It's uh, it. I've had two years of, of beautiful work. Now it's just gone down the gurgle. Two years. So you've had it for two uh, years, and and she was humming along years, nicely. Yeah. Humming along nicely, and um, what did you do? Uh, <laughs> well, I know. I, well, I I suppose I didn't keep on continuing upgrading or joining all their little uh, memberships and all that sort no, of stuff. No, that but... shouldn't affect the Wi-Fi. I mean, I um I opted out of the parental controls after the kind of first three or four months. I still do the security because I haven't got an alert like 10 minutes ago saying my something in my house had done something. So I like that. But um, the, the yep. general performance of an Orbi, the Wi-Fi connection, your internet, doesn't at all rely on your subscriptions. Um, though firmware upgrades are something I would always encourage. doesn't matter whether it's an Orbi or an iPhone. You should always be doing software upgrades. So um, uh, what, what are you seeing? What's the performance issue you're getting? Well, I, well, I, well. Um, at at the moment, what happens is that is that I'm not too sure if it's if it's the if it's the router. So what I what I've actually done, I had the I had the um, MBN going through the through the um, Optus router, then then into Orbi. Orbi what yeah. I've done now is I've put the actual um, MBN into the into the Orbi router. Yep, you did this. Seems you to, did this. Seems to be warm. You did this after Sorry. you started having problems. You changed. Yeah, that. yep, yep, yep. Okay. It seems to be working better, but okay. it still has little cutouts every so often. So I'm not too sure at the moment whether it's MBN or whatever. But certainly, what happens is that uh, it can it can cut out, and uh, the the op the Optus when it's pr- prior to this when it's on the um the Optus is working, the mm-hmm. the internet is working, but Orbi's not working. Now, so you've uh, you've done you, you've eliminated the uh, I guess the uh, the Optus modem from the equation. Um, does yep. Optus have you contacted Optus at all about the service interruptions? Yes, they're telling me there's none, but we believe there are. So, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. how how are you contracted with Optus? Like, are you deep in the in the zone there with them? No, nah, no, I'm not. I mean, I'm trying. Actually, I'm thinking of going somewhere else. But um, look, it's a wife, it's a wife, big, big wife call. Loves her, she, she, yeah, wife loves her phone though. She wants a she wants a um, good old um, phone. She she can't go out with just. I said, why don't we just go back to the mobiles and just go, uh, you know, internet? And she goes, no, I want my phone. As in so, a landline anyway. phone at home? Landline phone, yep, yep. She's full old school, mate. Oh, she is. She's, um, <laughs> yeah, she's very antiquated. But you love her dearly. Of course, that's what you're trying do, to say deep down. Um, so that, that doesn't matter because you can take your phone number to any provider. You should, and I think this is a real mm-hmm. kind of misnomer. People think they're kind of stuck with the telco. So I don't mm. – uh, I'll get to – change your telcos in a minute because it is obviously a, it's not a last resort because I actually don't know that it'll solve the problem right you don't want to you don't want to go there but I feel like both your options are somewhat extreme so my mm-hmm. first option is to go actually what I would do is I would do a factory reset on the orbi like if it's yeah if it's playing up or something then I turn off as many things in the house as I could so have you got kids as well yep so I you know one one day when the wife's out with the kids for a couple of hours, whatever, turn everything off as you can in the house and, and just turn factory reset the Orbi, which is a process, but pff, why not, right? And then yep. do, do the setup process from scratch with the app because the app is pretty darn good. 
but because what yeah, it will it and, and exclude the Optus buddy modem from the equation, because the first thing it'll do is it'll make sure that it's actually established the right connection between the Orbi and your NBN box. Um, mm-hmm. Because if you've just unplugged the the modem and plugged it into the um, NBN box instead of the Optus modem, it might still think the Optus modem's there, so it might still be trying to communicate yep. through the Optus modem. If you know what I'm saying, yep. so yep, sure. they, they often call it. There's different modes called bridging modes and different things like this. But in simple terms, does the does the Orbi really know where it sits in the internet? So a factory reset and a start from scratch there will help. Plus, it'll do your firmware update. Don't stress about yep. all the devices on your network. Have you renamed your Orbi or is it called Orbi 63 or something in your house? No, I've renamed it. So yeah. the great thing is you can, and I, this is great advice for everyone, you can rename the Orbi when you're setting it up, the same thing you've called it now with the same password and you don't have to go and adjust every device yep. in the home. So that's good. And so once you've done that, you go through that process and it may get a beer, get a bloody pie, whatever you need because it, it's one of those processes that can go haywire. I've set up networks and Orbeez and things for people where I've pulled my own bloody hair out, but it just kind of mm. gets there in the end. But once you're done, you'll you'll be able to monitor it for a week and go, well, actually, yep. we're getting the exact same situation here. And that, mate, at that point, uh, networks, Wi-Fi, doesn't matter what brand they are, they don't just fail. Yeah, so... I actually don't believe it's the Orbi, but we should rule out everything on the Orbi, like the firmware sure. and all that stuff, before you then go, you know what? The Orbi's, we've, we've set up the Orbi from scratch. It's working fine, but it fails now and then. It's got to be the telco. And that's when I'd pick up the phone and ring Aussie Broadband and say, right, I'm with Optus today. Here's my address. We, you must have HFC, do you, with the NBN box in the home, a little black box? What have you got? Yep. Yep, um, yep, a little black box. You say to them, you say to them, I'm annoyed by this, this, and this happening. Um, ha- can you, A, can you port my phone number over if we switch to you? I don't know that that's true, but I'm sure they can. So ask that question yep. first because that keeps the wife happy. And you'll find that probably within two hours, they can get you switched over from one telco to another. And it's my only unknown there is how quickly the phone line changes over. But, mate, that's sure. what I'd be doing. I'd be... I'd be switching telcos because the every telco is different with regards to how they provide to your suburb, to your area, how they diagnose faults. And then if you if you still have problems by resetting the Orbi and switching telcos, then there may actually be a fundamental problem with the HFC in your area. And I'll I'll be honest, I trust Aussie Broadband before I trust Optus to diagnose that. Because yep. they're just yep. a, it's just a better customer service center. Um, you can explain to them your previous problems, which might help them understand that it is fundamental to the NBN part of the network as opposed to the Aussie broadband part, and you might be able to go from there. Um, so a little bit of work yep. to do, but I think I think between the two things, you probably end up with a solution, mate. Yep, sounds good. Well, certainly after the customer service from Optus, I'm certainly looking at switching telcos. Well, ring you know what? Ring Aussie Broadband today just to check that you can keep your phone number when you switch anyway, even before you go to the trouble of switching, because that's going yep, to solve. Sure. That's going to answer a lot of questions in your head about what your next steps well, are. Well, make somebody happy in the family, and that, that's what we. That, that's the main one we've got to have happy. Happy wife, happy life. We all know it. That's right. What is the that's what right. is the husband equivalent to that? See, there isn't one, is there? No, no, no it's not. One for one for us it's all to ponder. All. One for us all to ponder. All right, Danny. Uh, let me know how you go, mate. I'm keen to know that it gets resolved and, and what it might have been. Thanks, Trevor. Much right, appreciate. No worries at all. Cheers. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's a 
uh, what do I call it often? It's a trial and error situation. It could, could be the Orbi. It could be that it's a firmware thing and that's all it needs. Um, obviously, the first step, which I should have said to Danny, was just try and do a firmware update in the app. But also, just with the number of problems he's had, I think a factory reset's always a nice way to go. Um, my guess is it's actually a HFC problem and it's frustrating that Optus doesn't know that. So we'll see whether maybe Aussie Broadband help him out. EFTM. This is the EFTM Podcast. EFTM Podcast. Thank you for listening. Great to have your company. Always a pleasure. Thank you for allowing me to take a bit of time away to get everything else done. But I'm back and uh, here with your podcasting needs. Of course, uh, The Best Movies You've Never Seen comes out every Friday in The Best Movies You've Never Seen uh, thread. If you haven't subscribed, go directly to Apple iTunes and search for The Best Movies You've Never Seen. Uh, if you're listening in the Two Blokes Talking Tech feed, you'll get all the shows. Tech Guide, EFTM, Two Blokes Talking Tech, Two Blokes Talking Tech private feed and The Best Movies You've Never Seen every single week in one podcast feed, and they'll update to PodCap or Podcast app with iOS 17, apparently brings you cover art, which means you're going to see which show you're listening to, which is a big change. You already get it on Spotify. Finally, Apple's catching up, so that'll be a nice win for those people listening in that feed. Uh, leave a rating and review, which is always greatly appreciated um, by myself and Stephen, but uh, especially myself on the EFGM podcast. We have obviously so many awesome, um, awesome reviews down there. Um, over many, many, many years. Um, so, uh, yeah, please leave a rating and a review. I'm just quickly scrolling. I uh, haven't seen anyone in the last little while. So jump in and leave um, the 413th review of the EFGM podcast, which would be greatly appreciated. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. Back again next week on the EFGM podcast.